the bank. Don't you know it's all about the cash? It's chain them out the double profits and stack them things. Make big bucks, change rocks and rings. Where my money? Give it to me. I ain't never been scared of money. Really, truly, I'm always keeping very funky. I make a movie. Here's somebody in the way of me getting the juicy, juicy up. Make it count, getting bigger. Pockets on my chain like glitter. If there's money in the picture, put it in the bank, cause you know that I'm gonna get you. What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to The Booch Cast. This week's episode is entitled, It's All About the Benjamins in the Bank. 
And the reason I've chosen this title is because earlier tonight, or last night at the time that you are listening to this, WWE Money in the Bank recently took place. Now, I know normally I don't recap main roster WWE pay-per-views on the Boochcast with the exception of WrestleMania. Uh, We do recap the AEW pay-per-views. We've recapped the NXT takeovers because AEW and NXT are the two main shows that we talk about here on the Boochcast, even though Elvis is still kind of uh, falling behind with the AEW recaps. But unlike the last time I brought that up where I was very aggressive and got a lot off my chest, because I'm in a more pleasant mood, and I'll explain more about that uh, on next week's shows. I don't want to get into it tonight. I'm just going to say that hopefully Elvis will get the AEW recap out before this coming Wednesday when the new episode of AEW will air on TNT. So hopefully Elvis will have that out for you guys. If not, I'm sure he'll have it again uh, for you guys this week. I know Elvis has been kind of, um, you know, not quite getting the recaps out as fast as you guys would like or as fast as I would like, but I'm, I'm trying to be nicer about it this time around because I do understand that Elvis does have a family and a hectic schedule and, um, you know, shit happens. So I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put him on blast like I did the last time. This is just me saying, hopefully he'll have an episode out for you guys by Wednesday. But anyway, uh, back to the main roster here. Um, because on the male soap opera moments, that I do with the Wens. That's usually where we talk about the main roster. We talk about Raw. We talk about SmackDown. We talk about the pay-per-views. For whatever reason, our time has been so condensed when we do the, the podcast that we usually don't end up doing a big recap of the pay-per-view. We just kind of say a little bit about it and then get into the predictions for the next pay-per-view. So we did our predictions for Money in the Bank but didn't really talk about Hell in a Cell. Which is why I kind of had a feeling that was going to happen. I talked about Hell in a Cell on the Boochcast last time. Because usually, um, you know, Elvis and I usually record on Sunday nights uh, the main show that we do. And and then the other days of the week, we take care of the NXT recap and the AEW recap and any other, you know, segments that are going to air on separate tracks come out later in the week. Well, because I was all by myself watching Money in the Bank, I was all by myself and wanted to be. I know those aren't the lyrics, but uh, I did, you know, have a good time watching the show by myself, mostly because uh, I had a very busy week and a very crazy week. And um, like I said, I'm not going to get into too much detail about the week, at least right now. I'll probably save that for next week's show. But. I will say that one of the good things we did do this week, and I'll give a shout-out uh, to these guys, is uh, Buff and I recently went to the uh, Peach State Wrestling Alliance for their 13-year anniversary show. Uh, Shane Knowles, uh, a wrestler and also the the main promoter of the company, was uh, generous enough to uh, have Buff uh, appear on his show. And we actually uh, both got to be there, and I got to meet Shane, and he's a solid guy, very nice guy. We also met some of the wrestlers who were incredibly talented. It was a really great show. A lot of great workers. Uh, some of the guys I knew before from you know working other indie uh, promotions in Georgia. Some of the guys I didn't know. And I got to meet them for the first time. And they were incredibly 
talented. It was a fantastic show. If you've never been to Peach State Wrestling Alliance, I would highly recommend you check out one of their shows. They really know how to put on a great wrestling show. So shout out to the Peach State Wrestling Alliance. Shout out to Shane Knowles. And also shout out to uh, Mark and Russell, who were both uh, very helpful for us. Uh, at the show, uh, Mark was able to help out with the handling of the money um, so that I could focus on taking uh, the Polaroid pictures uh, that we did during intermission. Uh, also, shout out to Russell, who was uh, not only helping us, you know, carry stuff around, but also was kind enough to watch uh, Buff's gimmick table while we were uh, doing this, doing the segments uh, in the ring with the pictures and you know, everything else. And it was just a phenomenal show. Uh, Buff was in the ring, and Buff did a great, great job. Uh, as you guys know, he is still uh, recovering from the car accident. Uh, he had a knee brace on. He was wearing jeans and a T-shirt. But even with all of that, Buff showed everybody in that ring that even on one bad knee, Buff is still the stuff, and the girls just can't get enough. And it was a, a great, great show. So once again, shout out to Peach State Wrestling Alliance. Shout out to Shane Knowles. Thank you guys for having us uh, at your show. And hopefully we'll uh, do business again in the future. That being said, I'm going to jump in right now to uh, Money in the Bank. Uh, I'll talk about Money in the Bank right here because I have a strong feeling that when Wentz and I get together again next month, for the male soap opera moment. I don't know if we're going to be able to focus much on Money in the Bank. Uh, we'll probably just be doing our predictions for SummerSlam. So I want to talk about Money in the Bank here on the Boochcast. I'm going to start doing that uh, going forward. And now I want to kick things off. Obviously there was the uh, pre-show where the Usos uh, defeated the Mysterios and won the SmackDown Tag Team titles, which... I'll be honest, I did not watch that match, although they did show a replay of it during the main show. And the reason I didn't watch it is because, uh, as I've mentioned many, 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 many times before, here on the Boochcast and on the Male Soap Opera Moment, I don't do pre-show. I don't give a shit about what happens on the pre-show. You guys know that about me. Uh, to me, watching the pre-show of a pay-per-view is like watching a preseason football. I don't fucking get it. I think it's a waste of time. I want to see the main show. If you're not good enough to be on the main show, you're not worth my time in a recap. It's simple as that. That's how I feel. I don't watch pre-show anything. I want to watch the main show. I want to focus on the main card. I want to focus on the stars of the show. And on this particular night, the Usos and the Mysterios were not the stars of the show. They were on the pre-show. Um, so the Usos winning the tag belts I thought was great because, you know, it had, they're the tag champs, the tribal chief Roman Reigns that they're both now working with is the universal champion. So I thought that was great. And I also love that the Usos are back on the same page and they're all with Roman Reigns and there's no more rivalries like that. You know, the, the family is solid. The bloodline is together and it looks fucking great. So it was a great decision on their part. And a part of me is kind of hoping that as a result of this, I'm hoping at some point down the road, Dominic's going to turn on Rey Mysterio and call himself Dominic Guerrero and become a solid fucking heel and starts acting more like a Guerrero. Because let's, let's remember, this is the same Dominic who in 2005 
was kayfabe the biological son of Eddie Guerrero. And that's why they had that match at 2005 in SummerSlam for custody of Dominic. So I'm kind of hoping that eventually this will lead to a Dominic Guerrero type of storyline where Dominic can kind of change his gimmick, be a heel, and have that work for him. And maybe see where that goes down the road. Then maybe someday, if he ever turns back into a babyface, he can call himself Dominic Mysterio, get his redemption, you know, seek forgiveness from his father, and his father forgiving him for being young and dumb. But anyway, that, that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. But we're going to move on to the first official match of the evening, the match that matters. Uh, for the women's Money in the Bank ladder match, we have Nikki Ash versus Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Liv Morgan, Naomi, Natalia. Tamina and Zelina Vega. This was a solid match to open the show. It was. This is a great match to open the show. I thought it was fan fucking tastic. Uh, and what I loved about it was it was a ladder match with multiple people in it. So naturally, I expected this match to be a spot fest. And I've, even though I'm not a big fan of spot monkey bullshit and all that crap, I accept the fact that when you have a match like this, a ladder match with multiple people in it, it's going to be a spot fest. Whether I like it or not, it's going to happen. So I've pretty much mentally trained myself for the fact this is going to be a spot fest and I should just accept it for this type of match only. But... I will give credit where it's due. At least with the women's Money in the Bank ladder match, there was some little bit of psychology in between. And we did see some good moments. Like um, there was a tug of war spot with the ladder between Natalia and I'm trying to remember who the other woman was that was pulling the ladder uh, with her. I want to say it was Liv Morgan. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was Liv Morgan. I thought that was great. Then playing tug with the ladder, and then at one point, you know, hitting somebody, hitting, hitting Nikki with the ladder, hitting Tamina with the ladder, trying to get Naomi, and watching them duck, dodge, and move around that. I thought that was a very good moment in the match. Um, at one point, Alexa Bliss ripped off part of her gear, and it got such a huge pop from the fans. They went fucking crazy. Um... And then, of course, uh, Tamina got a solid reaction, which I thought was great because I've always felt like Tamina in WWE always got the short end of the stick. I feel like she's a very talented person but doesn't get utilized a lot, and I feel like she gets a bad rap because her father is Jimmy Snuka, and with all the controversy surrounding uh, Nancy Argentino, I feel like Tamina gets put in the background because they're afraid if they showcase her, it will showcase Jimmy and Nancy and people's opinion of that. Because there are people out there who believe that Jimmy Snuka is a cold-blooded murderer and all of that. So it's, it's, I always feel like Tamina gets a bad reputation because whether you think Jimmy Snuka is a murderer or not, Tamina isn't a murderer. Tamina is a talented wrestler. And regardless of who her father is and whatever publicity that might bring up, she should still be allowed to showcase her talent. And 
And then, of course, Zelina Vega got the biggest reaction from the crowd because everybody's been a fan of Zelina Vega, especially since they were shocked she even came back to WWE after being let go because of the third-party thing with Twitch. And she was becoming like the first wrestler since Jesse Ventura to talk about unionizing and wrestling and trying to put together a union. Um, and, of course, uh, Andrew Yang, who... Uh, wanted to talk, wanted, who was going to make uh, unionizing wrestling one of his main priorities if he was elected president of the United States and was going to be a strong advocate for it. Then all of a sudden, he ends up not becoming the president, and that all of a sudden quickly goes away. Like, he claimed he was going to fight for it, but let's be honest, nobody gives a shit about pro wrestling unless you're an actual wrestling fan. So the union thing wasn't going to happen. So hopefully, and Zelina Vega re-signed with WWE, uh, they paid her enough money to where she didn't need the third-party stuff to make money. Like, whatever amount of money she was making with the third-party thing, because apparently she was making more money doing that than she was in WWE. So hopefully they matched it or paid her more as a motivation to come back to wrestling. And also, uh, you know, some people thought she had the best outfit of the year. Um, so far, yes, but we'll we'll see if it changes in the next few months. And then... Uh, Bliss was just standing on the turnbuckle throughout everyone's entrances perfectly still. So she's really getting into her character. Asuka got a decent pop, which I didn't really give a shit about because I have not been a fan of Asuka uh, for, a long, for, a long, for a long time. Um, and I feel like if she had won this ladder match, I'd have been pissed the fuck off. Because I'm like, she already won last year. She had a long-ass title reign. She should have never fucking got it. It was her goddamn ridiculous. And then Bliss did the mind control thing on Zelina Vega. I thought that was great, and I love that Bliss uh, is doing more of that. It was it, it, she's really getting a chance to showcase uh, her psychology and her storytelling a lot more, and she's really getting into this character. And a lot of fans are very, very much behind her, and I'm worried that she's getting such a big pop from doing all of this. I'm worried it's going to affect Bray Wyatt and the Fiend. Like, maybe they'll just get rid of him and just have Bliss do all this stuff because she seems to be doing well branching off on her own. And we haven't seen much of The Fiend in God knows how long, and no one's been able to explain why we haven't seen The Fiend in so long. Um, and then, of course, Liv Morgan is a massive fan favorite throughout this show. A lot of wrestling fans love Liv Morgan, and I guess they really wanted to see her win this match. And at one point, it looked like she was going to win. Um, Nikki's jump was better in theory than an execution, but it's good. She tried, so their jump was a little awkward. Uh, Natty and Tamina, uh, did some teamwork, which made sense because they're still the women's tag team champions, but eventually, um, you know, it had to be every woman for themselves. So there were moments where they weren't helping each other and did kind of fight a little bit, but it makes sense because it is every woman for themselves. So it shouldn't cause the tag team to implode. Um, and then of course Bliss got buried underneath the ladders and the crowd booed maliciously like they were pissed off because Alexa Bliss is so insanely over. Like obvi obviously she was not scheduled to win the Money in the Bank ladder match, but I do see a future women's title reign for Alexa Bliss because it was it's blatantly obvious the crowd is very much behind her. And that's the good thing about the fact that we have fans back in attendance for a pay-per-view for the first time in God knows how long. I can't remember the last time there were fans at a pay-per-view. It must have been, 
I think it was Elimination Chamber earlier this year. Because I know they weren't at WrestleMania last year. So we had, like, you know, I should take that back. We did have fans at, at this year's WrestleMania, but uh, so that was technically the last time we had fans at a pay per view, but that was temporarily in a stadium for WrestleMania. We eventually went back to the Thunderdome, and now we're officially back where there are fans in the stands. We're going to see them every week, and we're back to fucking normal, which I love. And then Tamina eventually pulls Morgan off and into a Huracurana, which was freaking awesome. Uh, Morgan, you know, countering that move so she could continue to dominate. Uh, Morgan has Watch Me written above her butt. Um, and of course, uh, you can expect people to put some fucking memes up there. Surprised I haven't done it yet, but I think it's because I'm just tired as fuck because, um, I obviously gotta get up for work, uh, the next day, so. We get to the finish with, uh, the seven women on the ladder. Uh, they're all fighting. Uh, Nikki manages to climb above all of them and grab the briefcase, which was a fucking shock to everyone, but I will say this. I thought it was a phenomenal choice. I loved it. I thought it was a very smart choice. I thought it was very well done. And I liked the fact that somebody different that we didn't expect to win won. Because I'll be honest. I I thought Zelina Vega was going to win this match. Because of the return that she got. And the fact and with everything that she went through. I figured you know what. They're going to give her the money in the bank. I did not in a million years expect Nikki almost superhero to get this briefcase. But I will say, Nikki needed this briefcase more than anybody. Because ever since she developed this almost superhero style gimmick, all the fans have been pissed off. They're worried that she's not going to get taken seriously. They're worried she's going to get buried. They're worried that she's going to be treated like a joke and not like a legit competitor. And her winning money in the bank proves that they are taking her seriously. Our only hope and prayer is that when she eventually cashes in the briefcase, that she will become either the Raw or the SmackDown Women's Champion. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the Raw Tag Team Titles. AJ Styles and Omos defend the titles against the Viking Raiders. This is without a shadow of a doubt one of the best tag team matches I've seen in a long time in WWE. Both these teams did phenomenal. And yes, the pun is very much intended because AJ Styles did a great job in this match. Omos did a great job in this match. Eric and Ivar did their thing. And I love, and some people, you know, don't like the fact that Almost is doing the textbook big man style. I love it because that's what a big man should do. I want to see a big man wrestle a big man style. I don't want to see him wrestle the same way everybody else wrestles. Because if a big man can do the flippy shit, why would I be impressed when a smaller guy does it? I want the big guy to wrestle like a big guy because that way the little guys look better. And I'm not trying to, not that I'm saying AJ Styles is necessarily a little guy, but compared to Omos, he's a little fucking guy. All right. Pretty much all of them are little guys compared to Omos. Because AJ Styles has a good build and he can work a match with pretty much any wrestler of any size. He's that damn good. But you know what I mean? You know, I want Omos to do the big man shit and let AJ Styles be everything else. That's what needs to happen. 
And uh, although Eric tried to do a suicide dive, which was very wonky, and that's why, again, uh, I don't like seeing this fucking move because I'm worried that one day someone's going to do a suicide dive and it's actually going to result in a fucking suicide and the person's going to end up killing themselves. Uh, not intentionally, obviously, but still. It's a stupid fucking move and it needs to be done only by people who actually know how to fucking do it. Like, not everybody needs to know how to do a fucking suicide dive. It's not something that needs to be in every wrestler's repertoire. And, you know, I do like that uh, almost pushed Eric to break the cover uh, after they hit the Viking experience on AJ Styles. I'm going to be honest. When they hit the Viking experience on AJ Styles, I honestly thought the match was over. I was like, holy shit, they're going to pin AJ Styles and win these belts. And that would be amazing because you pin AJ Styles, that's a big deal. Because AJ Styles is definitely a top guy. Even though he's kind of moved down the card a little bit because a lot of other big guys have shown up, doesn't change the fact that AJ Styles is still a top guy. Former WWE champion, United States champion. You know, he's he's held titles in this company. He's main evented pay-per-views. The man is good at what he does. So to get a pinfall on him is a big deal. But then almost pushing Eric to break the cover up, I thought was fucking genius. It was a great way to break up the pin. And then almost does like the vice grip, double choke slam, two-handed choke slam, gets the one, two, three, almost in styles retain. And I loved it. Almost is the right guy to get the pin in every match because you want almost to look like the dominant person. And it works. Him and Styles have great chemistry. They're deserving of the raw tag team titles. Uh, my biggest thing would be you got to put them on TV more because I feel like they don't get enough TV time. They don't, and they need to be treated like stars because this is something special in the Raw tag team division, and it needs to be treated as such until you can find a tag team that is qualified to beat them and take the belts off of them. And they should not lose those belts until you're ready for Omos to go solo. And I don't know if he should, because I'm not quite sure he's a great talker. So I think he needs AJ Styles with him to do the talking. Which is something that I, years ago, I would have never said about AJ Styles. But he's gotten so much better on the mic since coming to WWE that, fuck it, they need to keep these, these team together. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the WWE Championship Bobby Lashley defends the title against Kofi Kingston. This was everything I thought it was going to be, and I loved every bit of it. Um, and this Because this match should be Lashley tossing Kingston around like a ragdoll. Kingston should get some shots in via being the quicker, more agile of the two, but it should be clear that he's fighting an uphill battle against a dominant, more powerful opponent. I don't care about what happened on Raw. I do not take Kofi seriously as a WWE champion. I didn't take him seriously when he won the title two years ago. I do understand why they put the belt on him because Kofi was white fucking hot, but I do feel his title reign got very stale because he was starting to beat people that he had no business beating. I don't consider Kofi Kingston a main event player. I don't consider Kofi Kingston a top guy. And it's not because of his skin color. It's because of his gimmick and his personality and his in-ring ability. I don't think it is a main event level talent. 
And I can say that it's not because of his skin color because I've advocated for Shelton Benjamin to be WWE champion for years. And he is also a black wrestler. So you know it's not because he's black that I don't want to see Kofi with the belt. It's because of his persona, his in-ring personality, his in-ring ability. I don't take him seriously as a WWE champion. I tried to, but it just didn't work. I, I, I was not behind him being the WWE champion at all. And, of course, the referee tries to convince Lashley to cover Kingston and end the match, which I thought was great because he got sympathy for um, the babyface, which is great. Like the referee saying, look, you can end this fucking thing, end it. But Bobby Lashley wanted to prove a point because Kofi had said he'd gotten soft, that he was he lost his edge because of the fact that he was celebrating with champagne and women and going on vacations. And then with uh, them losing that tag team match because MVP got pinned by Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods with that cradle getting the pinfall on Bobby Lashley with the quick win, which made perfect sense. And it was done in a way that it didn't bury Bobby Lashley. And then Lashley gets pissed off again and says, I'm done with the women. I'm done with the champagne. We got to get back to business. And you see MVP like agreeing, but also very scared as Bobby Lashley rips the VIP lounge apart. So it was genius booking. And then, of course, there was Lashley uh, hitting a series of dominators on uh, Kofi. And there are some people out there that think that they're setting up how Lashley will beat Goldberg so he doesn't have to tap out to the Hurt Lock. Uh, Everybody assumed Lashley would win with a spear or something if need be. Um, But, of course, eventually he did lock in the Hurt Locker and and Kofi uh, did tap out. And the crowd of people looked stunned because they did not expect him to get destroyed the way that he did. Also, um, a lot of people are convinced that Bobby Lashley is going to face Goldberg at SummerSlam. Uh, I personally don't think that match is going to happen. I don't know why it would happen. It would not make sense. I don't see a logical reason for Goldberg to face Bobby Lashley. I feel like if anybody's going to face Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam, it's going to be Brock Lesnar. Because that's the match that everyone wants to see. They want to see Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley because both men have experience in the octagon. They have both thought, fought in MMA matches. Now, granted, Brock Lesnar's been in the UFC. Bobby Lashley's been in Bellator, but they've still done MMA matches. So in my opinion, we need to see those two fight above anything else. Now, maybe at some point down the road, Lashley can have a match with Goldberg. But I don't feel like that's the match that needs to happen. Now, if it does happen, so be it. I'll still watch it because it's SummerSlam. But ultimately, I want to see Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. That's the match we need to see. Right now with Goldberg, the only person at this point Goldberg needs to really face is Roman Reigns. Outside of that, I can't think of anyone else left for Goldberg to step into the ring with. I mean... Obviously, there's going to be other matches he can do if they want to just squash somebody and make Goldberg look good for a big money-making match. Obviously, they had him face Drew McIntyre. I thought that was great. It gave an opportunity for McIntyre to up his resume because now he can say, I beat both Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. So that was a phenomenal thing for him. So I don't feel like Lashley and Goldberg needs to happen. But either way, Lashley retains the WWE title, which is what needed to happen. And hopefully Kofi goes back to the end of the line and we don't have to deal with this shit ever again. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening for the Raw Women's Championship. Rhea Ripley defends the title 
against Charlotte Flair. Um, this, ladies and gentlemen, is the moment where I'm probably going to piss off a lot of WWE fans or a lot of internet wrestling fans. Basically, if you're listening to this show right now and you're a diehard fan of Charlotte Flair, you're going to hate my guts because I was 100% disgusted with this match. I didn't care about this match. I had no emotional investment in it. And the worst thing I thought would happen, happened. Charlotte Flair is once again a women's champion. The queen of privilege took her golden shovel and buried a top female talent and has pretty much fucked up any chance for any woman on the Raw roster to get over. There's no way you can convince me that politics is not involved here. This is fucking ridiculous. Charlotte Flair has had an insane amount of women's titles in a short period of time. If you want to know why in WWE the women's division is such garbage, you got your answer right here. This is it. This is the reason. This is the reason I don't watch Monday Night Raw. I'll be honest. I don't watch Monday Night Raw anymore. The I've said it before and I'll say it again. NXT is the only wrestling show on, on TV that I watch on a regular basis anymore. Everything else, I just look at the highlights. And I especially don't watch Monday Night Raw because every wrestler that I hate in WWE happens to be on Monday Night Raw. And Charlotte Flair is one of the main wrestlers that I hate because this is truly privilege being shown here. I call her the queen of privilege because I'm sorry. Her last name is the only logical reason I could think of for why she's getting this many titles and why you would bury a women's division underneath her boots. This is fucking ridiculous. It was garbage. And of course, Charlotte gives the finger to the crowd and Peacock cuts the feed temporarily because Charlotte decides to flip off the crowd, which is fucking ridiculous. And yeah, I get it. She's a heel, but still... It's a PG fucking show. You don't flip off the fucking crowd. Unless you're Stone Cold Steve Austin, you are not going to get away with flipping people off. This isn't AEW. This isn't TNT. It's the USA Network. You're on a PG-rated show, and you didn't even flip off your opponent. You flipped off the crowd. That's a fucking stupid thing to do. But she's Charlotte Flair... So she's going to get away with this. I promise you, I guarantee you, if any other woman on that roster flipped off the crowd during that event, even if they're a heel, even if they're a heel, I promise you they would not be on TV next week. I promise you they would get suspended. They would get fined. They would maybe even get terminated. I guarantee you. Because it's a PG fucking show. And this is they're just now bringing crowds back at full fucking capacity. And Charlotte flipped the crowd off. This is another example of the queen of privilege. If you, and if you don't think that any other woman wouldn't get fined or suspended or possibly terminated for flipping off the crowd, 
then you, and I'm saying this as a friend, are fucking delusional. Then, of course, there was We Want Becky Chance happening throughout the night. That brought a smile to my fucking face. Because everybody wants to see Becky Lynch come back. I want to see Becky Lynch come back. I would rather Becky Lynch beat Rhea Ripley than Charlotte fucking Flair. Because that means if Becky does come back, we have to see her and Charlotte fight again. Now, hopefully, Becky would take the belt from Charlotte Flair, but I think it would be better if she took the belt off of Rhea Ripley. I think that would be a better match. And it would be a good way for Becky to come back and it would be a good way for Rhea Ripley to look good because Becky can make her look good in defeat. This was this whole thing was fucking stupid. It was ridiculous. It was pointless. I don't even want to talk about the rest of the match because I don't like it. In fact, the only spot in the match that Charlotte did that I enjoyed was the natural selection off the top rope. That's it. Other than that, I didn't enjoy anything else that Charlotte Flair did in the match. It was fucking... Garbage. In fact, how much do you want to bet WWE's going to act all confused about why Ripley isn't as over as she could be, not realize because she's been booked like this for two years? They give her a run. She becomes a solid champion. She proves that she's over. She proves that she's talented. And you just keep burying her under Charlotte Flair. And just in case y'all think I'm tripping, I've heard y'all say the same shit when John Cena was on top of the mountain. I've heard you all say the same shit when Triple H was a full-time wrestler. And now we're seeing it from Charlotte Flair. And it's blatantly obvious. The only difference is John Cena actually had to overcome shit to be a main eventer because he was not the first choice. Brock Lesnar was the first choice, but then he quit because he couldn't handle the travel and the pressure. And then Triple H was recruiting Randy Orton and Batista to be his top guys, but Batista was a decent worker, but didn't really get over much as a promo. Like, he was over, but he wasn't, like, the number one guy. And then Randy Orton, well, he had drug problems and shit like that. You know, so eventually, Cena was able to work his way in with Thugonomics and got over. Charlotte, she was handed the key to the city the second she got her job. That's not an insult, that... This is the fact of life. And the whole thing made me want to fucking puke. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. We have the men's money in the bank ladder match. We have Big E versus Drew McIntyre, John Morrison, Kevin Owens, Ricochet, Riddle, Seth Rollins, and Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, I will say that I enjoyed this match. Even though this match had no psychology whatsoever. That's the difference between this match and the women's money in the bank. The women's money in the bank had at least some psychology. This had no psychology of any kind. This was purely a spot fest match. Which again, I mentally prepared myself for that going in. I knew that this was going to be a fucking spot fest. So I just let it ride. Now, apparently at this point, people were having issues with Peacock. You know, you were hearing the commentators say things, but couldn't really watch it. 
Uh, I personally don't use Peacock. I use the the same site that I I call the special treat that we give to people uh, when we do our live uh, watch parties on Twitch. So I use the special treat to watch it. But even that was causing problems a little bit. There was some glitches, and you know I had to switch to different uh, live streams during the the broadcast. Um, so I did miss some crazy moments, but not a lot. Uh, it did kind of freeze up on me, so I did have that bit of a struggle, but was able to still work through it. Uh, anyway, after that, we cut to, uh, we got, eventually, um, I liked about it was when John Morrison was coming out with The Miz, Morrison turns to Miz and says, look, I gotta do this on my own. Miz is like, you sure? And he goes, alright, brother, go win it. Go be money. Go be money. Now, part of me honestly thought at that point, John Morrison could win this match. And I would have loved to see John Morrison win this match. I think John is way overdue for a WWE title run. I think he's a main event player. He's badass. He's awesome. I know in UCW, we had planned on using him as a main eventer because uh, he worked a couple matches for us before he eventually signed with WWE. Like If he hadn't signed with WWE, he'd be the top guy in UCW right now. That's how serious we took uh, John Morrison and how much uh, we think he's awesome and of course i liked uh jinder mahal uh shanky and veer interfering um especially since they were attacking drew mcintyre uh they just came out interfered took him out of the picture which i enjoyed because uh i liked drew mcintyre but i did not want to see him win this match because i felt as though he has already had a run with the wwe title and it's time to give it to somebody else uh he does not need to be back in the title picture because we know he can't challenge for the title ever again as long as bobby lashley is champion. So I like the fact that Drew McIntyre has to take a back seat because, you know, he he can't be champ forever because it'll eventually annoy everybody. Um, and of course, uh, you know, Ricochet had a few spots in the match, but I'm not a big Ricochet fan. So I will say this match is tailor-made for him because it allows him to do all of his uh, circus shit that he does because the man can't has no has very little to no ground game. So he has to, like, if he's not flipping, he's not worth watching. So this was a great match for him. And, of course, Riddle hits a few RKOs and does Randy Orton's pose because uh, Riddle has to get over with something else that isn't him because he wants to look less douchey. And, in my opinion, it makes him even more douchey than he already was. Y'all know how I feel about Riddle. He can piss up a rope. Uh, and then, of course, Seth Rollins powerbombing KO through the ladder was fucking insane. Uh, I literally thought, like, oh, shit, Kevin Owens might have broke his neck on that one. But uh, I did, like, before that, Kevin Owens was dominating. Every he would pull every time somebody would pull him off, he would hit him with a stunner, climb back up, someone else would stop him, boom, hits a stunner, everything else. I honestly thought Kevin Owens was going to win this match, and I wanted Kevin Owens to win this match. I feel like Kevin Owens is due for a reign, but I want to see him with the WWE Championship, not the Universal Championship, because he's already held that. But I, I felt like Kevin Owens is uh, was due for a main event push because they need to start building up more top guys, and Kevin Owens has proven himself to be a top guy. So I would have loved to have seen Kevin Owens. That was my pick to win the whole thing. What I didn't expect was Big E to show up, hit that big ending on Seth Rollins off the ladder, climb back up, grab that fucking briefcase, and the crowd went fucking insane. Once again... Somebody we did not expect to win won. And that is 
in my opinion, what made this Money in the Bank ladder match pay-per-view that damn good. We had two different winners that nobody expected to win, and as long as they don't fuck up the run, either by creative or by the superstars doing something stupid, we could see these guys cash in their briefcases and win their respective championships. Uh, whether Big E goes for the Universal title or he goes for the WWE title. Either way would be great. But I look at it like this. If you don't want Big E to reunite with the New Day, let him go for the Universal Championship. He should only go for the WWE title if you're planning on putting the New Day back together. And I will say this. If when Big E cashes in the briefcase, if Bobby Lashley is still the champion, that would be a good way for the New Day to get revenge on Bobby Lashley. That would be a great way to fucking do it. Would be to have the New Day help Big E beat Bobby Lashley and have him become the WWE champion. Like maybe at some point uh, Kofi and Xavier snap and they just beat the fuck out of Lashley with like weapons and shit and then Big E cashes in, wins the WWE title, New Day gets back together with Big E at the top as the WWE champion. And they embrace him the way they embrace Kofi when he won the WWE championship. So I think that'd be great to see. But if you don't want to put the New Day back together, let Big E go for the Universal title and win that. But I do think that Big E and Nikki should win whatever titles they go for. Don't fuck this up. You have a potential here to build two bigger stars for your roster. This was a great move. It surprised everybody. It shocked everybody. And it reminds us that anything can happen in the WWE. And then, of course, backstage, Seth Rollins is seething. He says he's not waiting. He said whoever wins the Universal Championship next, he is next in line. And speaking of which, we move on to the main event of the evening for the Universal Championship. Roman Reigns defends the title against Edge. This was a stellar main event. I don't give a fuck what nobody else says. Some people thought it was generic. Fuck that. This was a stellar main event. Both these guys put everything on the line to make this main event match worth watching. There were times in this match where it looked like Edge could have won. It it looked great. Especially towards the end when Edge speared Roman Reigns and a new referee came in to make the count. I thought it could have ended right there. It it was that damn good. There were times it looked like the match was going to end in a count out and there'd be some controversy. I thought that was great. Like Edge stopping the referee from counting to 10 even though Roman was out there because Edge knows that he can't win the title on a count out. He can win the match, but he can't win the title. So stopping the count, picking up Roman, dragging him back, you know, carrying him to the ring on his shoulders to get him back in there so he can get the pin. I thought that was fucking great. It, it really made us believe that at any given moment, Edge could win that title. And a part of me would have been fine with Edge winning the title. But I'm glad he didn't. Because of what happens post-match. But we'll get to that in a minute. But I figured if Edge is going to win the title, WrestleMania was the right time to do it. 
It should have been on night two of WrestleMania. If you're not going to do that, you might as well not put the belt on Edge at all. There's no reason for him to be a champion if that's not how you're going to do it. But because there's no, you're not going to tell a story better than that. Ten years to the day that he goes to get that he retires and surrenders the championship, he gets a shot at it and doesn't win it. He killed a great fucking story right there. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, he might win the title, but it won't be as special. It just won't. And then, of course, Pat McAfee saying that his eyes are fluttering like Peacock. I thought that was fucking great. Like, that's why people love Pat McAfee. He keeps it real. He keeps it 100. He's entertaining. This guy is insanely over because he can cut promos better than 95% of the WWE roster. Pat McAfee is a national treasure and should be treated as such every time he is behind a microphone. And then, of course, the ref uh, bump at one point. You know, Edge goes to the Superman punch. Edge bumps into Charles Robinson. Charles Robinson hurts his knee. Now, all of a sudden, there's, you know, weapons being thrown around. They try to use that, that crowbar thing to, you know, put in Edge's mouth. And Edge fights out of that. Then, eventually, he locks Roman into it. But what I love about it is that Roman never tapped at any point. He did have the look of fear in his eyes, but he never fucking tapped. And then, of course, it looks like Edge is going to win with that. But then, all of a sudden, Seth Rollins comes out, kicks Edge in the back of the head. Uh, we see a bit more of a scuffle between them. Eventually, um, you know, Seth, Edge goes for another spear. Seth comes in to distract. Edge knocks Seth Rollins off the apron. Uh, turns around. Roman hits the spear. One, two, three. The winner of the match, Roman Reigns. So Roman retains the title. Like I said, it was great uh, to see that. And then, of course, after the match, Seth Rollins comes out, beats down on Edge. Then he stares Roman down, basically saying that Seth Rollins wants the universal title now that Roman uh, is you know, still the champion. Seth wants to claim that he's next in line. He wants to fight Roman. He wants to be the champion. But then all of a sudden, Edge out of nowhere tackles Seth Rollins. Those two brawl on the outside. They fight to the back. So now it's pretty much certain we're going to have Edge versus Seth Rollins at WWE SummerSlam. So I know they were talking about that, but I wasn't quite sure how they were going to build that. But then when Rollins said, I'm not waiting, who I'm next in line, and he said that Edge stole the spot from me, as soon as I heard Seth say those words backstage, I knew Seth was getting involved in this match. I didn't, or he was either, or he's gonna come out afterwards and fucking snap. I don't know what was gonna happen, but I knew Seth was getting involved in some capacity. In fact, I honestly thought before I realized he was in the Money in the Bank match, a part of me thought he was gonna somehow insert himself into this match and make it a triple threat, which would have pissed Edge off even more. And it's like, all right, now I gotta get my hands on Seth Rollins, but this is a better way to do it. So now we know we got Edge and Rollins for SummerSlam, and that match is going to be interesting. Then um, Roman Reigns grabs the mic, says the whole world can now acknowledge him, and then all of a sudden, John Cena fucking shows up at Money in the Bank, which I did not expect. I did not see coming. The crowd did not see coming, and it was fucking great because they were able to keep that on the down low and the hush hush. I don't know if Cena flew in. I don't know if he uh, drove in. But somehow they were able to keep that secret. My theory 
He was on a WWE private jet and he fucking flew and then they hit him somewhere and then boom, he came out. And of course, Cena gets a big fucking pop, which is interesting because there was no John Cena sucks. None of that. And they didn't even do a let's go Cena, Cena sucks. There was none of that. Just the crowd going fucking crazy for John Cena. Because we have not seen him on WWE programming since last year's WrestleMania when he fought The Fiend in the Firefly Funhouse. We have not seen him or heard from him in WWE since then. My only complaint about Cena showing up is the fact that he didn't cut a promo. He just came out there. He walked up. He walked up to Roman. Did the you know did the you can't see me and then the cheer you know putting up his uh, hustle loyalty respect symbol, uh, which is also what the Dudley Boys used to do. Um, he does the whole cheer for the crowd. Crowd goes crazy. He stands up on the turnbuckle and everything, and then the show goes off the air. Now apparently he cut a promo afterwards. Basically saying, you know, thanking the superstars for putting their bodies on the line, but also the fans for coming out and how he missed the fans and everything else, which is great. You know, it sends the fans home happy, but I would have liked to have seen Cena make the challenge right there. But now it's blatantly obvious what we're getting. We're going to see John Cena versus Roman Reigns at SummerSlam for the Universal Championship. And I'm going to say this right here, right now. At SummerSlam, John Cena needs to beat Roman Reigns. Roman has dominated the entire roster, pretty much, since he's been champion. He's beaten The Fiend. He's beaten Braun Strowman. He's beaten Kevin Owens multiple times. He beat Drew McIntyre at Survivor Series. He has gone through every challenger they have put in front of him. He's beaten Daniel Bryan. And he's beaten Edge. And of course, he beats Cesaro. There's not a lot of big challengers left to beat Roman Reigns. Now, if you want Seth Rollins to do it, that would probably be the other option. But I feel like John Cena beating Roman Reigns would benefit more. Because Roman already beat John Cena the last time they fought. So for him to take a loss to Cena now would not bury him, it would not hurt him, and it would not damage him in any way. It, it would make sense for him to lose to Cena since he's already lost to everybody else. Because if Cena doesn't beat him, other than Seth Rollins, I can't think of anybody else on the SmackDown roster that's credible enough to beat him. Unless you want Big E to cash in on Roman Reigns. That could be another option. But I would rather Cena beat him and then have somebody else beat John Cena for the title. Whether it would be Seth Rollins, whether it would be Edge, whether Big E would cash in and beat John Cena. I would rather somebody else beat Cena because I feel like that would up their resume more than beating Roman Reigns. Yeah, you can beat Roman Reigns, but if you beat John Cena, holy shit. That ups your fucking resume. And I feel like that would be a better way to build up a guy like Big E. For him to get a victory over John Cena. Cash in on Cena. Pin him one, two, three. Get the belt. I would rather see that than anything else. Plus, 
by Cena beating Roman Reigns, he breaks Ric Flair's record, which is something that a lot of fans want to see. Now, there's going to be some hardcore guys who worship Ric Flair and don't want him to break that record. I know some people are going to say, well, Ric Flair has said that he wants Randy Orton to beat his record. Yes, he has said that. But he also said in the past that he would be okay with Cena breaking it as well because Ric Flair has a lot of respect for John Cena. So Cena breaking the record would make sense, especially since it's a WWE record basically now because let's be honest, Ric Flair was a 16-time world champion. But in WWE, he was only the world champion twice. The other 14 titles are from WCW. The only reason WWE even recognizes those other titles is because they own WCW. That's the only reason they even acknowledge those other 14 title reigns. That's it. That's the only reason those reigns are acknowledged. And of course, Ric Flair has held other titles in other countries. But again, they do not get recognized in WWE. And there's nobody that's been more of a WWE guy than John Cena. So for him to break that record, for me, makes sense. Cena should have that record because he's a true WWE guy. He has not wrestled for any other promotions. He didn't go to WCW. He was never in ECW. He hasn't gone to TNA. He hasn't gone to AEW. Uh, at least not now. I don't know if he'll ever go to AEW, but... If Tony Khan throws enough money at him, I don't see why Cena would say no to that. But I think for Cena to go to AEW, he'd have to be officially done with WWE completely. And, you know, that remains to be seen. But I think that Cena should break the record. He should beat Roman Reigns and win the Universal title. And depending on his schedule, if he can carry it to WrestleMania, I'd have him carry it to WrestleMania and have somebody beat him there. But if you can't, then maybe take the belt off of him before Survivor Series. That way, at Survivor Series, when you have the WWE Champion versus the Universal Champion, Cena doesn't have to be involved in that match. Because he would have to be. He would have to face whoever the WWE Champion is. And if it's still Lashley, then obviously it would be John Cena versus Bobby Lashley at Survivor Series. So, I don't know how long Cena's going to be in WWE for. I don't know when his next filming thing is, but since he's back now, that obviously means he's got some downtime. And I think Cena's going to take some downtime from Hollywood to do some stuff for WWE, and then when it's time for him to go film another movie, that's when he'll hopefully drop the belt and go film his movie. But I think Cena is going to be embraced by the WWE Universe in a way he hasn't been embraced in years because everyone's so happy to see him back. So it's going to be a great moment. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will conclude my recap of Money in the Bank. I did have some other topics I want to talk about here, but at the time that I'm recording this, it's 1.03 in the morning, and I got to get up early, so I'm not going to talk about these other topics here. I'll save them for a later date. Maybe I'll talk about them next week. Maybe I'll talk about them uh, another time. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, make sure you guys are following the Boochcast here on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcast. Pick your favorite hosting site, follow us on there, or if you want to be a super fan, follow us on all four platforms. 
Also, like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We got archived episodes of the show on there as well as great content that we post all the time. Make sure you check out our Facebook page. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at theboochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos from us. Also, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can check out our episodes of Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring, as well as our D&D one-shot, our watch parties, great skits. We put a lot of fun stuff on the YouTube channel. Make sure you check it out and hit that subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when more content will be produced, especially our new episodes of Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring. We're going to have the Brian Pillman videos. We got... The Ultraviolence of Nick Gage, Collision in Korea, The Ultimate Warrior, In the Shadow of Grizzly Smith, and of course, The Dynamite Kid. So make sure you guys check out all those episodes coming very soon to the YouTube channel. Also, be sure to make sure you're following us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. You can check out our live wrestling watch parties. You can live chat with us during the parties. Our next watch party will be Saturday, August 21st. For WWE SummerSlam. So make sure you're joining us. Follow us on Twitch. So you'll know when we're going live. When you can chat with us on there. Also, we're going to be doing our live D&D show. Uh, it's going to be on there. Uh, you can live chat with us during the D&D show. It'll be taking place sometime in October. That's all I can tell you guys for now. It'll be in October. Also, we got a big surprise for the show that I can't reveal yet, but when I do, it's going to blow your fucking minds, bro. Also, become a supporter of the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. Uh, There are three levels where you can donate uh, to help support the show. We're going to have prizes for each level coming very soon we don't have them right now but if you support the show now when we make the prizes when we figure out once we get the prizes out there you will we will make sure a prize is sent to you so you don't have to wait for the prizes if you don't want to if you want to wait that's cool too but we have three different levels the first level is 99 cents a month that's right for a mere 99 cents per month you can help us grow and support our show our second level is $4.99 per month, which is the same cost as you would get for a Peacock subscription. And obviously with Peacock being a monumental pain in the ass during Money in the Bank, some of y'all probably don't even want to fuck with Peacock no more. And that's fine. Fuck them. We got better content here anyway. So support the show for $4.99 per month. Also, we got our third final level. It, you can support the show for a mere $9.99. That's right. The same amount you used to pay for a WWE Network subscription if you live in the United States. You can take that $9.99 and put it towards this show to support it. Let's face it. Compare the WWE Network. We got better content anyway. So support this show. You can help us upgrade our equipment, bring in bigger name guests. It allows us to pay our bills. and also allows me to take care of my guys who work very, very hard behind the scenes to make this show work for you. So if you got a favorite co-host, you believe they deserve to be paid for their work, anchor.fm slash theboochcast slash support is how you make that happen. You can pay with a credit card or with GPay, whichever choice you want to make. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby.
Well, I see by the clock on the wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.